Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, July 20th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken word of God, it is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Pinchas. Numbers 27, 1-23 The daughters of Zelophad, of the Manassite family, son of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Maker, son of Manasseh, son of Joseph, came forward. The names of the daughters were Makla, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Tertza. They stood before Moses, Eleazar, the Kohen, the chieftains, and the whole assembly at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and they said, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not one of the faction, Korah's faction, which banded together against Hashem, but died for his own sin, and he has left no sons. Let not our father's name be lost to his clan just because he had no son. Give us a holding among our father's kinsmen. Moses brought their case before Hashem, and Hashem said to Moses, The plea of Zelophad's daughters is just. You should give them a hereditary holding among their father's kinsmen. Transfer their father's share to them. Further, speak to B'nai Israel as follows. If a man dies without leaving a son, you shall transfer his property to his daughter. If he has no daughter, you shall assign his property to his brothers. If he has no brothers, you shall assign his property to his father's brothers. If his father had no brothers, you shall assign his property to his nearest relative and his own clan, and he shall inherit it. 
This shall be the law of procedure for the Israelites in accordance with Hashem's command to Moses. Hashem said to Moses, Ascend these heights of Aburim and view the land that I have given to B'nai Israel. When you have seen it, you too shall be gathered to your kin, just as your brother Aaron was. For in the wilderness of Zin, when the community was contentious, you disobeyed my command to uphold my sanctity in their sight by means of the water. Those are the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. Moses spoke to Hashem, saying, Let Hashem, source of the breath of all flesh, appoint someone over the community who shall go out before them and come in before them and who shall take them out and bring them in so that Hashem's community may not be like sheep that have no shepherd. And Hashem answered Moses, Single out Yahashua, son of Nun, an inspired man, and lay your hand upon him. Have him stand before Eleazar the Kohen and before the whole community, and commission him in their sight. Invest him with some of your authority, so that the whole Israelite community may obey. But he shall present himself to Eleazar the Kohen, who shall on his behalf seek the decision of the Urim before Hashem. By such instruction they shall go out, and by such instruction they shall come in, he and all Israelites, the whole community. Moses did as Hashem commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the Kohen and before the whole community. He laid his hands upon him and commissioned him, as Hashem had spoken through Moses. Second Chronicles one one to three seventeen. Solomon, son of David, took firm hold of his kingdom, for Hashem his God was with him, and made him exceedingly great. Solomon summoned all Israel, the officers of thousands and of hundreds, and the judges, and all the chiefs of all Israel, the heads of the clans. Then Solomon and all the assemblage with him went to the shrine at Gibbon for the tent of meeting, which Moses, the servant of Hashem, had made in the wilderness, was there. But the ark of Hashem David had brought up from Kiriat-Jerim to the place which David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. The bronze altar which Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, had made, was also there before the Mishkan of Hashem, and Solomon and the assemblage resorted to it. There Solomon ascended the bronze altar before Hashem, which was at the tent of meeting, and on it sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. That night Hashem appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I grant you? Solomon said to Hashem, You dealt most graciously with my father David, and now you have made me king in his stead. Now, O Hashem, let your promise to my father David be fulfilled. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Grant me then the wisdom and the knowledge to lead this people. For who can govern your great people? Hashem said to Solomon, Because you want this, and have not asked for wealth, property, and glory, nor have you asked for the life of your enemy, or long life for yourself, but you have asked for the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to govern my people over whom I have made you king, wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I grant you also wealth, property, and glory, the like of which no king before you has had, nor shall any after you have. From the shrine at Gibbon, from the tent of meeting, Solomon went to Jerusalem and reigned over Israel. 
Solomon assembled chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses that he stationed in the chariot towns and with the king in Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold as plentiful in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars as plentiful as the sycamores in the Shephelah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Kew. The king's traders would buy them from Kew at the market price. A chariot imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver, and a horse 150. These in turn were exported by them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Arameans. Then Solomon resolved to build a house for the name of Hashem and a royal palace for himself. Solomon mustered 70,000 basket carriers and 80,000 quarriers in the hills, with 3,600 men supervising them. Solomon sent this message to King Huram of Tyre, In view of what you did for my father David in sending him cedars to build a palace for his residence, see, I intend to build a house for the name of Hashem my God. I will dedicate it to him for making incense offering of sweet spices in his honor, for the regular rows of bread, and for the morning and evening burnt offerings on Shabbat, Sabbath, new moons, and festivals, as is Israel's eternal duty. The house that I intend to build will be great, inasmuch as our God is greater than all gods, who indeed is capable of building a house for him. Even the heavens to their uttermost reaches cannot contain him. And who am I that I should build him a house, except as a place for making burnt offerings to him? Now send me a craftsman to work in gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and in purple, crimson, and blue yarn. And who knows how to engrave alongside the craftsmen I have here in Yehuda and in Jerusalem, who my father David provided. Send me cedars, cypress, and algum wood from the Lebanon, for I know that your servants are skilled at cutting the trees of Lebanon. My servants will work with yours to provide me with a great stock of timber, for the house that I intend to build will be singularly great. I have allocated for your servants the woodcutters who fell the trees, 20,000 core of crushed wheat and 20,000 core of barley, 20,000 batim of wine and 20,000 batim of oil. Huram, king of Tyre, sent Solomon this written message in reply. Because Hashem loved his people, he made you king over them. Huram continued, Blessed is Hashem, God of Israel, who made the heavens and the earth, who gave King David a wise son, endowed with intelligence and understanding, to build a house for Hashem and a royal palace for himself. Now I am sending you a skillful and intelligent man, my master Huram, the son of a Danite woman, his father a Tyrian. He is skilled at working in gold, silver, bronze, iron, precious stones, and wood in purple, blue, and crimson yarn, and in fine linen, and at engraving and designing whatever will be required of him, alongside your craftsmen and the craftsmen of my lord, your David, your father David. As to the wheat, barley, oil, and wine which my lord mentioned, let him send them to his servants. We undertake to cut down as many trees of Lebanon as you need, and deliver them to you as rafts by sea to Jaffa. You will transport them to Jerusalem. Solomon took a census of all the aliens who were in the land of Israel, besides the census taken by his father David, and they were found to be 153,600. He made 70,000 of them basket carriers and 80,000 of them quarriers, with 3,600 supervisors to see, 
that the people worked. Then Solomon began to build the house of Hashem in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where Hashem had appeared to his father David at the place which David had designated at the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. He began to build on the second day of the second month of the fourth year of his reign. These were the dimensions Solomon established for building the house of Hashem. Its length in a moat by the former measure was sixty, and its breadth was twenty. The length of the porch in front was equal to the breadth of the house, twenty a moat, and its height was one hundred twenty. Inside he overlaid it with pure gold. The house itself he paneled with cypress wood. He overlaid it with fine gold and embossed on it palms and chains. He studded the house with precious stones for decoration. The gold was from Parvime. He overlaid the house with gold, the beams, the threshold, its walls and doors. He carved cherubim on the walls. He made the Holy of Holies. Its length was equal to the breadth of the house, twenty a moat, and its breadth was twenty a moat. He overlaid it with six hundred kikirim of fine gold. The weight of the nails was fifty shekels of gold. The upper chambers he overlaid with gold. He made two sculptured cherubim in the Holy of Holies, and they were overlaid with gold. The outspread wings of the cherubim were twenty amot across, one wing five amot long touching one wall of the house, and the other wing five amot long touching the wing of the other cherub, one wing of the other cherub five amot long extending to the other wall of the house and its other wing five a moat long touching the wing of the first cherub. The wing spread of these cherubim was thus twenty a moat across, and they were standing up facing the house. He made the curtain of blue, purple, and crimson yarn and fine linen, and he worked cherubim into it. At the front of the house he made two columns, thirty-five a moat high. The capitals on top of them were five a moat high. He made chain work in the inner sanctuary and set it on the top of the columns. He made a hundred pomegranates and set them into the chain work. He erected the columns in front of the great hall, one to its right and one to its left. The one to the right was called Jachin, and the one to the left, Boaz. Romans 6, 1-23 What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we, that are dead to sin, live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us, as were baptized into Yeshua, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Yeshua, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death 
has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Yeshua our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, the Torah, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the Torah, but under grace? God forbid! Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord. Psalm 16, 1-11 Preserve me, O God, for in you do I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, You are my Lord, my goodness extends not to you, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another god. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures for evermore. Proverbs 19, 20 and 21 Hear counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter end. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. I'd like to speak to you today from Numbers 27, our Torah portion, and then we're going to go into Second Chronicles chapters 1 through 3. 
And in Numbers 27, starting in verse 4, we see a situation where there are some ladies that have come before Moses and they've said, we don't want to lose our inheritance. There are no sons and our clan has no sons. And they're asking and pleading, give us a holding among our father's kinsmen. So Moses brought this case before the Lord to inquire of him, and the Lord gives him an answer and says in verse 7, The plea of Zillichad's daughters is just. You should give them a hereditary holding among their father's kinsmen and transfer their father's share to them. The Israel Bible commentary to verse 4 reads as follows. After it is determined among whom Eretz Israel will be divided, the daughters of a deceased man named Zelophechad approach Moses with a complaint. The rule of inheritance is that a father's land is inherited by his sons. But the late Zalafkad had no sons who could inherit his portion. Moved by a deep love for the land of Israel, Zalafkad's daughters complain that if nothing is done, their family will forever lose its portion of land. Rashi points out that it is no coincidence that the verse traces their lineage back to their forefather Joseph who served as a model of love for the promised land when he made his brothers promise that they would take his remains with them out of Egypt for burial in Eretz Israel. The women are relieved when Hashem clarifies to Moses that in the absence of sons, a man's land is to be inherited by his daughters. The passion for Israel exhibited by the daughters of Zalakad serve as a model for the special role that women have always played in settling Eretz Israel. Continuing on, let's look at verse 12. Hashem said to Moses, Ascend these heights of Abiram and view the land that I have given to B'nai Israel. So he goes on to say to Moses, When you have seen it, you too shall be gathered to your kin, just as your brother Aaron was. In other words, Moses gets to look at the land from afar, but he doesn't get to set foot on the land. He's about to be, uh, he's going to pass away. And so he just gets to look at it and view it from afar. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Though Moses was not allowed to enter the land of Israel, he is given an opportunity to see the land from atop the mountain of Abiram. In verse 12, Hashem tells him to go up to the mountain and view the land. And in verse 13, he repeats, when you have seen it. The double language reflects the notion that Moses saw beyond the land's physical beauty. In addition, he was able to perceive its spiritual grandeur as well. Now let's jump into Second Chronicles chapter 1 through 3. And in this, these opening chapters, we see that Solomon is now the king over Israel. And he has asked the father for special wisdom to be able to govern the people. Um, in chapter 1, verse 7, that night Hashem appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I grant you? And Solomon said to Hashem, You dealt most graciously with my father David, and now you have made me king in his stead. Now, O Hashem, let your promise to my father David be fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Grant me then the wisdom and the knowledge to lead this people 
for who can govern your great people? The Israel Bible Commentary to verse 10 reads as follows. When given the opportunity to make a request of Hashem, Solomon asks for wisdom and understanding to be able to judge the nation properly. Just as David his father executed true justice among all his people, though he was a man of battles and had shed blood, Solomon's reign will be similarly characterized by justice. While the wars to secure Israel's borders are significant, what personifies the land of Israel in general, and the city of Jerusalem in particular, is justice and righteousness. Thus, Eretz Israel is inherited through justice, and justice allows for the land to flourish, and conversely, a lack of justice leads to its downfall and destruction. The Beit HaMikdash, that is, the temple built by Solomon, is the seat of justice from Deuteronomy 17, verses 8-10, through 10, and it is where the high court would meet. In making this request of God, Solomon sought to ensure that he would lead the nation of Israel in the land of Israel in justice and truth. Today, the state of Israel has an established judicial system which continues to pursue justice in the Holy Land, ensuring that the population is law-abiding and protecting the rights of its citizens. Like the High Court of Old, Israel's Supreme Court is located in Jerusalem. So let's now jump into chapter 2. And Solomon sent a message to King Hiram of Tyre. And in verse 3 he states this, See, I intend to build a house for the name of Hashem my God. I will dedicate it to him for making incense offering of sweet spices in his honor for the regular rows of bread, and for the morning and evening burnt offerings on Shabbat, new moons, and festivals, as is Israel's eternal duty. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The Hebrew word for month is Kodesh, which comes from the word Kadesh, meaning new. Sanctifying the new moon each month is the very first biblical commandment given collectively to the people of Israel, from Exodus 12, verse 2. As opposed to pagan worship, which requires a steady force, such as the sun, to venerate, the people of Israel were told to sanctify the moon which waxes and wanes on a monthly basis. The message is that no matter how dark life may seem, societies, nations, and individuals can always change for the better. Our optimistic scanning of the black-blue skies for the first sliver of the new moon every month is our testimony to the possibility of growth, change, and development. We must learn to sanctify that change. Continuing on in chapter 3, verse 1, it is written, Then Solomon began to build the house of Hashem in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where Hashem had appeared to his father David at the place which David had designated at the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Something else very significant about Mount Moriah, which is where the very first temple was built and the second temple is built, is that this is the place where God led Abraham to climb Mount Moriah and then to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, his one and only son. And then at the last moment, God spoke to him and said, Stop, now I know that you fear me. You see that ram over there in the bushes? Offer up the ram instead. And of course, the ram is a picture of Yeshua. 
And so this all happened on Mount Moriah, which is where the temple was later to be built. So it's a very special, set-apart, sacred, and holy place. That's all I have for today. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah, and we'll see you tomorrow. Adonai Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.